And, and uh, our title would, would be very simply this, Exercising Faith to Live a Holy Life. Exercising Faith to Live a Holy Life. And uh, it's interesting, the, the topic of faith is, is one that, that needs to be very near and dear to all of us as believers, especially because the Bible says that the just shall live by faith. You ain't got nothing else you can live by. I mean, if you're going to live this life, there's only one kind of gas that will work in your tank. It's faith. If you put any other gas in your tank, your car won't run. You know what I mean? The just shall live by faith. And when you apply faith in one area, the principle is the same in how you apply it in any other area of life. So applying faith when it comes to holy living is the same uh, as when you apply it in any other uh, area of life, uh, whether it's healing for your body or you need food on the table, or you need more uh, uh, money at the end of the month, less month at the end of the money, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, whatever it is that the need is, uh, we've known about uh, the, the fact that, that we can go ahead and put our faith in the Lord for, for these certain things. Well, in, in the same way that we would uh, apply our faith towards these areas, you can also apply your faith towards holy living the same way. And that's what I want to see, and that, that's what I want us to get into today. But first of all, I want to go ahead and, and go over some of the basics of faith first. If, if you've never heard it, it's going to be an education. And if you have heard it, it's a much-needed refresher. Because we all need this. Uh, and, and since we live this way, there, there's never a time where you don't need a refresher on something you got to do every day. You know, it's good to stay up on it, stay current with it, and, and never, never let yourself go in a certain area. Um, Romans 12.3 lets us know this. Uh, right there at the end of the verse, it says that God has dealt to each a measure of faith. God's dealt to each one a measure of faith. That means that, that when you become a believer in Jesus... You've got something to get started with. You've got a measure of faith that you can get started with when, when, when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus. Um, Matthew seventeen twenty, you'll see a statement that Jesus made right there in the middle. He said, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. So, so we see this, that faith, first of all, that, that when you are uh, born again, God gives you a measure of it to get started with. And the thing is, is that this faith God gives you is in seed form. Mm-hmm. Which tells you about something, if something is in seed form, it can be planted and it can produce more. It can be planted and it can grow. Which is what you see if you look at Second Thessalonians 1, three, where the Apostle Paul said this, that we are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly. So these are some of the basics that you see about faith, that, that when you got born again, when you first came into the family of God, God gave you a measure of it to get started with. It's in seed form, so you can plant it and it can grow, because obviously we see Paul here talking about your faith growing exceedingly, but it also lets you know that there's certain, uh, uh, certain levels of it because it can grow. You can have little faith, and how many of you have heard Jesus in the Gospels use that term before? Oh, you of little faith. 
But then you can also see that Jesus would use the term in speaking to some that they had great faith. So you see that faith can grow, and you can also see that, 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 that it's got various levels. It can be little, and it can be big. It can be great. We also see this in Scripture, that faith is for overcoming. Don't you like overcoming? It sure beats getting overcome, I'll tell you that. First John chapter 5, verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God, which would include you if you are born of God. Oh yeah, come on now. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So, faith is for overcoming. And uh, interesting thing that I want you to see in this verse is that this is the victory that has overcome the world. Now, one thing that you need to get used to with God is understand the way God does his tenses. You know, past tense, present tense, future tense, tenses. Because you see, when it comes to, if, if this pulpit here, if we're going to call this Calvary, where Jesus died on the cross, where Jesus paid for our redemption, all right? And this is, this is before Calvary. This is, this is where Jesus died and paid for everything that needed to get paid for. Thank God he did. And now this here, this area here is after Calvary, where we look back to the cross, all right? Now, God very specifically has used terminology in the New Testament that talks about things that are already done. For instance, the fact that you have overcome the world. The, the fact that First Peter 2, when talking about healing, he, he would change the tense that the prophet Isaiah used, where the prophet Isaiah, looking forward to the cross and looking forward to what Jesus was going to do, would say, by whose stripes you are healed. And then Peter, on this side of it, looking back, would quote it and say, by whose stripes you were healed. Hmm. <laughs> now... You see this, that, that uh, here and in other portions of Scripture we're going to see later, we see that use of the past tense intentionally inspired by the Holy Spirit to let you know that when we're looking at what Jesus did, we're looking at things that as far as God is concerned are already done and settled. Hallelujah. Now hold on to that. We're coming back to that later. But I wanted to settle that foundation in you right now. And of course, the, the, uh, the definition for overcome, when the scripture says it, the, the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, uh, overcome, uh, it, it means to conquer. I like being a conquer. Another aspect of this particular Greek word really means to, to carry off the victory. And when I saw that, to carry off the victory, I, I couldn't help but get an image of my 2018 World Series champion. Oh, yeah, hallelujah, Boston Red Sox. And, 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 and what happened is that they got that World Series trophy, and they carried that trophy off the field. That party started on the field, but then they carried that party, that celebration, off the field. And, and, and so we, we see that, that idea of carrying off the victory. 
And, and, and it, I, actually, there's another dimension of this that, that just uses the term to come off victorious, which caught my attention because it's kind of the term we use today. Who they coming off acting like that? Coming off all victorious and stuff like they're really somebody. Yeah, I am somebody and I do have victory. Thank you very much. You can come off victorious. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Don't come off like you got an attitude, but you can come off having victory. Amen. Now, uh, so, so faith is for overcoming. So we understand that as far as, far as the basics of faith. Because in, in order to understand how faith works for holy living and living a holy life, you know, we need to understand the basic principles of how it works to begin with. So we understand God gives you a measure. We understand this, that it's in seed form. You can plant it. It can grow. It'll grow. Some people have a little bit because they ain't used it a whole lot. And some people have used it and got great faith. So, yeah, God, you start with a measure when you're born again. But can you get more? Is it possible? Well, the Bible does tell you a way that faith can come to you. And that's Romans 10, verse 17. That says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if you want to build your faith on something, then you hear the word of God on that particular subject. Uh, you you want to build your faith in a certain area. You hear the word on that. Faith comes to you. So that, that that's the part of the basics of faith that we need to understand. Now, what I want to do is I want to take a look at Mark chapter 5 and take a look at the woman with the issue of blood. That, that's the, the wording in, the, in, in the, the old King James Bible. I said in the first service, I said, have any of y'all ever met a woman with an issue before? And uh, I had to duck just so I didn't get anything thrown at me there. Because I know a whole lot of men with issues too. So issues are across the board, all right? But, but in this case, the, this woman here in the, in the old King James Bible, she, she's not named by name, but, but she was always called the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, verse 25 of Mark chapter 5, it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And then down in verse 34 it says, And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, we understand that faith without works is dead. Faith without corresponding actions is dead. So therefore... When it comes to your faith, your faith must always be accompanied with two things. Affirming words and action. Affirming words and action. And that's exactly what you see in the life of this woman that we just looked at. Because she heard of Jesus. And and, and when she heard of Jesus, there were two things that were made clear to her. First of all, it was made clear to her that God willed for her to be well. And then it was also clear to her that the means whereby she could obtain that was provided. So two things that she could clearly see when she heard of Jesus was God's will and God's provision. God's will and God's provision to get, to obtain, to receive what he wills for you to have. This is big. Oh, yeah. 
So, she heard about Jesus by so doing, she got a hold of the fact that God willed for her to be well and that God provided the means for her to be well. And then what did she do on her end? She spoke words of affirmation that agreed with what she heard. She spoke words that, that, that affirmed it, that said amen to it, that put an exclamation point on it. And then after that, she acted on it. Faith works the same way in every area. Which just like these principles worked for this woman when it came to receiving the healing that she so desperately was looking for all those years. Faith to live a holy life comes the same way. And that's what we're going to see today. So we're going to hear the word regarding God's will. God's will specifically for us to live a holy life. We're going to also learn by what we're hearing that God has made the provision whereby we can do that. God didn't just say, here are my demands. Good luck doing that. I'll see you later, you know. Uh, We'd be in trouble if that was the case because we as fallen men do not have the wherewithal, the the capability to be able to fulfill the expectations of God. Which is the good news why God didn't just lay out the expectation. He didn't just put his will out there and said, this is what I want. But besides just laying out there what he want, he said, this is what I want, but this is my provision. And if you take advantage of my provision, you'll be able to do what I want. You'll be able to have what I want. You'll be able to experience what I want. Hallelujah. And then, of course, we on our end can speak words of affirmation, words that only agree and never disagree with what God said about it, and we can act on it. Corresponding action that goes along with our faith. Amen. And if you, if, if you, uh, uh, if you understand this about the Bible, you understand this. Uh, a very, very key thing. That, that if you don't get anything else, you get this. That if you only hear and you don't do the word, that's not doing you any good. James said in chapter 1 that if you're a hearer but not a doer of the word, you're deceiving yourself. You're fooling yourself because you're thinking that hearing it alone is all right when hearing it alone is not all right. It's hearing and doing. The, the person who built his house on the sand, remember Jesus talked about the guy who built his house on the rock and on the sand? The difference between the two was the one who built his house on the sand was the guy who heard but did not do. And the guy who built his house on the rock was the one who heard and did. That is so, so vital, so important. Can I hear an amen this morning? So now, we're going to break down... Exercising faith to live a holy life into those four areas. First of all, God's will, God's provision that he made for you so that you can do his will. And then the two things on your end is your words of affirmation that agree with that and, 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 and uh, say amen to that and say that's not just true for somebody else, that's true for me. And then also along with your words of affirmation, your action, your corresponding actions, you're not just being a person who hears, but a person who does. All right, here we go. Now, 
regarding God's will. First of all, I got to tell you, it just amazes me that, that we would ever be in a position where uh, we, we're calling ourselves Christians and really don't have that much of a concern of finding out what God wants. We call Jesus Lord, and if he's Lord, I, I, somehow I think that word's got to mean something. That, 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 that title's got to mean something. Lord means, uh, what would you have me do? What would you like for me? Uh, I'm not asking me what I want to do. I'm asking you what, what you want me to do because I'm not Lord and you are. And so the very idea of finding out God's will, that should be top priority for a believer. I can't understand any scenario where it want to be. You know, Ephesians 5.17 says this. It says, therefore, do not be unwise. In other words, don't be dumb, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Which means you can't understand it. Which means it's there for you to find out. You just got to want to know. If you want to know, you can know. You know, it's interesting that chapter of Ephesians 5, a little bit earlier, it says that we should find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Which means you can. If you really want to know, you can know. Find out the will of God. You know, and then it goes on to say that that, uh, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord, it also says that we should have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather we should expose those works. And uh, that is interesting to me because of a, a quote that I heard from a, a preacher back in the early 2000s and never forgot it. And he said this, uh, embarrass sin before sin embarrasses you. Isn't that good? I like that. Because he's talking about exposing the unfruitful works of darkness. Don't buddy up with it. Don't hang out with it. Don't have fellowship with it like two fellows in the ship. No, we ain't talking about that. We're talking about exposing it, calling it what it is. If it's wrong, call it wrong. Don't be cute about it. Just call it like it is. If it's sin, you call it sin, and you say the wages of sin is death, and I don't want to die, so I'm staying away from it. Can it be that simple? Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting over in the book of uh, Proverbs, it it talks about... uh, deceitful bread in one particular verse in Proverbs and, and, and it said that, that, that the person who's taking that route they'll end up with a mouth full of gravel well I don't know about you but especially in the, all the good vittles we've had the last week I prefer my mouth full of gravy than gravel hey can I have a witness uh, but, but what your mouth ends up being full of whether it's sweet to your taste or something that you just want to spit out, that is your choice. But glory to God, we are in a position to to make wise choices, to be able to accept what God's will is, and to heed Him, knowing that He'll go ahead and take you in a direction where He'll satisfy your mouth with good things, rather than you having to spit the gravel out because you tried to do it your own way. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, what's God's will regarding holiness? Well, it's pretty simple. Hebrews twelve fourteen says to pursue it. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. First Peter 1, uh, th- this is big. You, you can't, can't talk about holiness without talking about this. Verse 13, it says, therefore gird up the, the loins of your mind. 
Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust. I love that word, former. That means that's how you used to be. That's how you used to do. That, that's the way it used to be, but it's not the way it is now. It's former, not present. Come on now. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust, as in your ignorance. Verse 15, but, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Is there anything that's ambiguous about God's will here, or is he making himself clear? I think he's making himself very clear. First Thessalonians 4, 3. If he wasn't already clear enough, now he's going to mess with your sex life and make a statement like this. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Smile at somebody. Praise the Lord. God's messing with all your business. And all our business needs to be messed with. So God's spelling that out even more clear. And say, well, well, maybe the Lord meant this, but he didn't mean this. And then you had to read that and say, oh, yeah, he meant that too. <laughs> and verse 7 of that same chapter, 1 Thessalonians 4, God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. So there's no doubt about it. It's laid out there, boom, real clear for all of us to see. God's will regarding holiness. Now, what about God's provision? Because, you see, if we only had the will, if we, if we only had the, uh, the expectations laid out, but didn't have the provision whereby the, those expectations can be met, then we say, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But I could never, ever measure up. But I want you to know that part of the provision is that God put the measure up inside of you. That's what we're going to see right here. This is the provision that God's made. So he laid out his will. What about his provision? Well, the number one thing when it comes to his provision is that you are not just any old human being. If you're born again and you believe that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for you and that he was raised from the dead for your justification, this is true about you. Second Corinthians 5:17 that says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Which means that you, as a believer, are not in a position where you are uh, without any provision to be able to do what God would want you to do or be what God wants you to be because he has made you a new creation. He has put inside of you the, the DNA of his very self. You are born of God. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Now the capability of being like him is now inside of you. You are a new creature. And it makes perfect sense that God would start on the inside. You see, because what, what religion does is want to clean up your outside. And you don't get your outside all cleaned up, but you're still wrong on the inside. You know, I, I saw a funny comic strip the other day uh, uh, about the, 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 the first church. You all know the first church in town uh, with a big old sign up front. And, and, and it said, Sunday's message... 
dealing with gossip. And then Sunday's hymn, I love to tell the story. Oh, Lord, help I, I, I just loved it when I saw it. But, yeah, there, there, there are some people, yeah, they, they, that's their problem. They, they loving to tell the story, and they need to keep their big mouth shut. Come on, somebody. But, but the, the, the way that God does things, and the point I want to make to you, is that God deals with the inside first. Jesus, when dealing with the Pharisees, said that what was wrong with them is they wanted to go ahead and make things all nice and pretty on the outside when it was nasty on the inside. And Jesus said, you got to cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside can get clean as well. But, but you don't start from the outside in, you go from the inside out. Just like the, the, the saying that's been around for years, and it's a good one, that when you're catching fish for the kingdom of God, you don't clean them first before you catch them. You catch them first, and then you clean them. Because when they're caught, they're in the kingdom of God. When they're caught, they have a new nature on the inside of them. And that new nature is the thing that can work its way out. Kind of like the Bible says, working out your own salvation. You're working it out because it's in there. If it's not in there to begin with, you can't work it out. If you, if you don't have a change of root, you ain't going to have a change of fruit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So we're talking about God's provision. Now, check this out. One of the number one things that we need to get a hold of when it comes to God's provision to, so that enables us to be able to live a holy life is His very own Word. His promises. Are you ready? Second uh, Corinthians 6. We'll start with verse 16 and then we'll actually go into the 7th chapter into verse 1 there. But we'll start at 16 of 2 Corinthians 6. And it says, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? Uh, for you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them. I'll be their God, and they shall be my people. Amazing promise. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. What a promise. I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Wonderful promises. Now, verse chapter 7, verse 1. See, we divided it into chapters, but Paul didn't. He just kept on writing, and he said this. Therefore, having these promises. What promises? The ones he was just talking about. What should we do? Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How can you be in the position where you can cleanse yourself of stuff you need to cleanse yourself of by having these promises? There's something that's in the promises. There's something potent about the Word. There's something, there's an inherent power in the Word that puts you in a position that when you get the promises in you, that it puts you in a position where you can cleanse yourself of stuff that you need to get out of your life. And that's not all that the Bible says about that. There's more. But wait, there's more. Second Peter 1, here we go. Second Peter 1. And we're going to see in this passage more about the promises of God in relation to this, but also God's power in relation to this. We're talking about the provision. We know that God's will is for us to live a holy life, but now we're looking at the provisions that he's made available to us whereby we can live a holy life. You with me, right? All right. Second Peter 1, 
Simon Peter, verse 1 says, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power, talking about power, this is God's power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Isn't that good news? God's power inside of you has given you everything you need for godliness. So you can live a godly life because God's power has given you the provision, everything you need in order to be able to do it. How does that come? Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And now we'll hear more about the promises in verse 4. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these oh lord through these through what through the precious promises you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through us now now this is amazing here that through god's word through the precious promises of god that that by those you can partake of the divine nature now the the divine nature he is holy it's natural for him to be holy that's his nature now if you can ever be in a situation where you can partake of his nature then there's no problem you acting like he acts if only If only I could partake of his nature, then I can be like him. But what does that say? That says that the exceeding great and precious promises that through those you can be a partaker of the very nature of God. You can act like he act. You can be like he be. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now. Does that motivate anybody to want to get into the Word and get into some of those exceeding precious promises? I would say so. As a matter of fact, a little less Facebook and a little more face in the book. Ha, 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 I feel the Spirit moving. Hey, here we go. All right. Romans 13, but, but uh, I won't go ahead and do verse 14. So Romans 13, but jump right to 14. Check this out. We're talking about God's provision here. We know God's will. This is God's provision. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. So rather than you making provision for yourself to do what you want to do, what you're being tempted to do, that's taking you away from living a holy life, you can put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, now that kind of putting on is not you putting on like you're putting on a show or putting on an act. No, that kind of putting on is like you're putting on a jacket. You know what I'm saying? You're just putting on something that fits you just right, that belongs to you. Jesus himself is there for you to go ahead and put on so that you can do what he would do in that given situation. Be what he would be in that situation. Act like he would act in that situation. He himself is part of the provision. (sighs) 
And because of that, don't you know that when he wins, you win? That Jesus' win is our win. What did Jesus say in John 16, 33? He said, these things I've spoken unto you, that, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Right? So Jesus has overcome the world. Now, somehow I remember something we read in the beginning. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Remember that? That's 1 John 5, 4. We read it earlier. So if Jesus has overcome the world, and our faith is the victory that has overcome the world, what is the connection? Well, our faith is in the fact that Jesus did it for us. And our faith is in the fact that anything Jesus did, that, that he did it on our behalf. Hey, I'll tell you, when he died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised. And when he was seated, you got seated too. Hallelujah. So therefore, when he overcame the world, if you want to know when you overcame the world, you overcame the world when he overcame the world. You see that identity? If it happened to Jesus, Jesus didn't do that for himself. He was already good. He didn't need to come down here to save himself. He didn't need saving. We needed saving. So what Jesus did, he did for our benefit. You get the benefit of everything Jesus did. Hallelujah. That means he overcame the world. That's the point where you overcame the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Your faith in what? Your faith in that Jesus did it for you. Hallelujah. And that because Jesus did it for you, therefore it is applied to your account. Glory to God. And the Bible just, when it comes to have overcome, the Bible just continues with that theme, especially in 1 John. Not just chapter 5, but in other chapters as well. Take a look at chapter 2, uh, verse 13 and 14. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. Woo! And then he repeats himself. Go to verse 14. Halfway down, I've written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Whoa, you know you better pay attention when God's repeating himself. Come on. And once again, emphasize this aspect of past tense, this aspect of something, not you will overcome the wicked one, but here it says you have overcome the wicked one. Well, then when did that happen? It happened the same time when Jesus overcame. Jesus overcame the world. When he became a world overcomer, you became a world overcomer. Hallelujah. 1 John 4, 4. We were talking about 5, verse 4. This is 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children, and have, once again, have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Good news, somebody. So once again, you see this idea, just like by his stripes, you were healed. You see this emphasis of you have overcome. And so we're talking about a reality in Christ that is true, whether it looks like it or not, and whether it seems like it or not. Now, Jesus over in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3 talked to seven churches in Asia Minor. And when he was talking to them, he said, 
to him who overcomes, I will give this. And for, for this person who overcomes, I will do this or give this to them. And so, so how do you reconcile uh, the, those two terminologies where, where, where in much of First John you see this continual emphasis of have overcome the world, have overcome the world. And then Jesus says, to him who overcomes, I will, as though he's talking about something in the future. And the reality of that is, is that there's the legal position you have in Christ of what Christ already did on your behalf. But then the other aspect of it is how much of that you are experiencing. Which uh, there's there's a distinction between the two. Because something can be legally yours and you never get to enjoy it. And I'll tell you what, too many believers are like millionaires living in a shack. I'm just going to take a water break. Let y'all think about that for a minute. (laughs) Millionaires living in a shack. You got all kind of inheritance. What Jesus did for you, what Jesus did for me, woo! Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. And yet here we are, like millionaires in a shack. Lord, help us. So we need to live our life not just with the, 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 the accounting sheet showing that we're rich, the accounting sheet showing us that, that, that we're loaded, and yet you go to our house and uh, uh, well, I can go ahead and bake some two-week-old potatoes for you for dinner tonight. You know what I'm saying? No, 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 no. God's desire for you is that the way you're living and the account sheet that is, has the list of everything that in Christ has been credited to your account, that those two things would resemble each other rather than not resemble each other. Can I hear an amen? That's big. Because the provision is made so you don't have to be a millionaire living in a set. And talk about provision. Is there any provision that you can shout about more than the grace of God? Titus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us. Well, grace is teaching you something. You got grace. Grace is teaching you something. Grace is bringing something with it. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Hallelujah. So the very, very grace of God, which is his lavish provision for us, in that grace... Is something that can teach you to not go the way you used to go. Not go after those former lusts and be what you used to be when you were an old creature. But instead, this grace will teach you how to act like a new creature because you are a new creature. Someone say, act like who you are. Act like who you are. Amen. 
Now, we see God's will. We see God's provision. Now we're going to see this. Your affirmation. Your words of affirmation that will agree with him and that will say amen to what God says about you. How about this? Talking about words of affirmation. Can I live a holy life? Can you see yourself living a holy life? Can you see yourself actually being on the straight and narrow and, 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 and not being with, uh, with, with Jody one night and, and then being with uh, uh, Jill the other night and then uh, uh, next week uh, 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 Sinequa and, and then the next week uh, and, and you know all this goes on and on and your life's a mess and out of control? Can, can, can somebody, can you see yourself that it's possible that I'm walking the straight and narrow and I'm pleasing God and I'm not getting sidetracked by stuff? Hallelujah. Can you see it? Is it possible? Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. How's that for some words of affirmation? Something that says, if God says I can do it, I can do it. He didn't just lay out his will. He laid out the provision. I've got the provision. I've got the goods. It is possible for me. Yes, me. Despite my past. Despite my history. Despite the mess I may have been. It is possible for me to live a holy life. Woo. Philemon. Chapter 1, verse 6. Only one little chapter in Philemon, but this is a powerful verse. Check this out. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Part of this words of affirmation is you acknowledging all the good stuff that's in you. Good stuff that's in you because you're cute and you're somebody? No, no, no. Good stuff that's in you in Christ Jesus. This good stuff's in you because you're in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus made that deposit in you when you were born again. So I'm acknowledging these things, these good things in me. I'm acknowledging the power of God in me, that by that power, whoo, he's given me all things that pertain to life and godliness. The good things inside of me. How about your new nature? How about 2 Corinthians 5.21? For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Can somebody exercise some faith right there and say, yeah, I believe that that's true about me. I can acknowledge that this is true about me. I'm told in Scripture to acknowledge the good things that are in me in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm going to acknowledge that I am righteous and that I didn't do anything to, de to deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it or to get it because if anything, anything I could have done would have been an automatic disqualification. I've got it in me because Jesus is qualified and he gave it to me as a free gift. Hallelujah. These are words of affirmation you can speak. You can go to this and, and affirm this and, and agree with this and settle this, that this is true about you. Philippians 1.6. Being confident. How many of you would just like to be confident? Have some confidence about something. 
You know, we're always so unsure about this and unsure about this. I'd sure like to be confident, but, but, but it just don't feel right, just don't seem right. You know, feels like, seems like is the biggest enemy of faith. Can I get somebody's attention today? Feels like and seems like is the biggest enemy of faith. Being confident. Can you just be confident? Even if you don't trust you, you don't have to trust you, but you can trust him. (laughs) You can trust him. Being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Someone may say, well, the thermometer in the turkey may not have popped yet, but praise God, I'm still in the oven and getting cooked. And I will all the way until the master says, well done. Hallelujah. So his job is to complete the work. Your job is to let him and stay out of the way. Amen. Let's skip 1 Thessalonians 5. Go to Ephesians 5. Always remind yourselves of who you are. For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. So act like it. Walk as children of light. Be who you are. Because that is who you are. You were darkness. But you are now light. You know, the, the power of meditating on the Word is grossly underestimated. If you can take some time and meditate and just say, you know, just spend an hour. Say, an hour? Yeah, why not? See what it will do for you. I was once darkness, but now I'm light in the Lord. And now that I'm light in the Lord, I'm going to go ahead and walk like, act like, talk like I'm light in the Lord, because that's who I am. I am light in the Lord. I was darkness, but now I'm light, which means I'm not darkness anymore. Darkness has used to be, darkness has been, what is now, what is current, is I am light in the Lord, and I'm going to go ahead and act like I'm light, because I am light, because Jesus made me light. Darkness is in my past, light is in my present, and light is in my future. You know what I'm doing? I'm meditating. Woo! I'm meditating. Just going over it, going over it, going over it. Yeah, I'll tell you, someone needs to go over it until it clicks. And when it clicks, Lord, if there's a chandelier nearby, you'll be swinging. Come on. Say, I got it, I got it. Praise God. Amen. All right. Those are words of affirmation. Let's close up with this. What about action? And some of these things are tied in together. But, but I, I wanted to go ahead and uh, focus on uh, two particular things here under your action. We've got God's will and God's provision. But then on our part, our words of affirmation are statements that agree with God and agree with his word. And our action, our corresponding actions, the fact that we're not just saying we believe it, but that we're acting like we believe it. How can you act? How about this? Romans 12. Romans 12. And one of the number one things you can do is to address how you think. This is what you can do. You can address how you think. 
Verse 1 of Romans 12 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is the key? How, how can I get to the point where I can present my body to God, a living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable to Him? How is that possible? By you not conforming to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's time for you to think differently. And I'm not talking about just some kind of positive thinking that's not based on anything. It's positive, all right, but it's not just positive thinking. It is thinking that is based on the Word of God and on the reality of what Jesus did for you. It's your thinking in the terms of who the Bible says you are rather than what it feels like and seems like you are. You, you might say, well, it sure seems like I, that struggle's still on, and I'm still struggling with that, and yeah, here we go again, I'm struggling with that. But, but, but rather than thinking of you in terms of the one who's always struggling and struggling and struggling, if you can start thinking of yourself as, I am of God, and I have overcome them. If you can start thinking in terms of what God says, of what, of what the provision is. You know, we, we had that whole part highlighted about the provision. If you can think in terms of that, that will change your life. What else does the Bible say about the way we think and the connection with holiness? First Peter 4, check this out. First Peter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but for the will of God. How is this accomplished? The idea of ceasing from sin, the idea of no longer living your life uh, according to, to the uh, lust of men, but living your life according to the will of God. How is that accomplished? It is accomplished by arming yourself with the same mind that Jesus had. This is big. And if there's one verse that helped me in my walk, even more so than these others, it's this next one, Romans 6. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. Consider yourselves. Esteem yourselves. Think about yourselves this way. How? Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, the time when you most need to do that is when you're feeling like that thing that you've been struggling with. You know, that thing that will look to take you into unholiness instead of holiness. When, when that thing seems to be real alive and well and like it's uh, having its way with you. You feel the total opposite of that. You say, right now, I know the Bible says that, but I feel dead to God right now and real alive to this thing here, whatever it is. I feel real alive to this temptation right now. But should you reckon yourself that way? No. You reckon yourself the way God told you to reckon yourself. Think about yourself the way God told you to think about yourself. 
And the beautiful thing about it is the devil's trying to get you to, to think one way and to be one way. And, and, and what, what this is, is this is just total rebellion against the enemy. Say, I, if you say to do it, I'm just going to do the opposite. I'm going to do it like God told me to do it. I'm going to think of myself in these terms, reckon myself in these terms, because this is who I am, dead to sin and alive to God. Even if I feel today like it's the other way around, I'm not going there. I'm going to keep on talking about myself and thinking myself and affirming this same thing. Dead to sin and alive to God. Even if I really, really, really want to, I don't care. I'm dead to you. Hallelujah. So address how you think. And the number one thing you can do, and we were talking about those exceeding precious promises before. You want to go ahead and beat something in your life. Get unholiness out and live this holy life that is available to you. Hey, get God's word in your heart. Psalm 119, we're going to wrap this baby up. How can a young man cleanse his way? Verse 9. By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Well, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. There is something that's in the word, a power, potency in the word, that as you get it inside of you... It can restrain you in places where you'd have just automatically gone into some same old habits and same old patterns. But if you've been putting the word in you and putting the word in you, putting the word in you, then whoop, you might have been about to go there. But you see, you've been feeding yourself on something that's now having a greater impact. You, you, you see, sin, if you feed it, it continues to grow. You feed your flesh, you know what happens. It'll say, give me more. I want it, and I want it now. Whatever you're feeding your flesh. Whether it's something you're putting in your ears, something you're putting in your eyes, something you're putting in your mouth. You, you know, our flesh is crazy. We know that. But the thing is, is that when you are putting the Word of God inside of you, the Word of God has power and potency in it. That right at the point that you thought you were just going to go ahead and here we go again, fall right into the same old pattern, right into the same old behavior. But no, the Word of God, if you've been hiding it in your heart, put it in you, it whoop, pulls you back, pulls the rope, pulls the reins on you, just when you're going to go somewhere, and it reminds you, say, no, that's not who you are anymore, this is who you are now. And because you hid it in your heart, it kept you from sinning against God. Hallelujah. There it is, y'all. Let's pray. Father, we honor you today. We give you glory and praise. We thank you for the provision of Jesus. Lord, we could never stand before you and be right. We could never have righteousness in our account apart from you. We could never live a holy life apart from you. It would be absolutely impossible. But Lord, we're so grateful that you've laid out your will, but you've laid out your provision, the means whereby we can accomplish your will. And I thank you, Lord, for doing great things in our presence, in our midst today, in Jesus' name.